Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Yeah, it's great uh, honour and privilege to be here this morning and to share with you. So as Liz mentioned, um, I'm at Bridgman Downs Baptist Community Church and uh, and I've been there for quite a while now and working specifically in the area of young adults. And um, uh, and, and my real passion and heart actually is in is our community outreach and evangelism. That's really where my heart is. So I've been doing young adults for Oh, forever. Honestly, it feels like forever. And I, I keep I keep getting older and I just keep saying, I think I've got a few more years here yet. I've got a few more years. And uh, and so it's quite funny. We went to, my daughter's now started school and we went to a party. Like um, uh, she had a, a, a party with all her friends from school. And so all the parents were at this party. And, and one of the parents said, I, I don't feel like I'm getting that older. But anyway, I, I sort of start to see it a little bit now. And one of the parents said to me, oh, um, uh, your wife said that you're going to a 21st. Uh, after this and and uh, it doesn't seem that unusual to me like hanging out with the tw- early 20 year olds because you know they say you're only as old as you feel so I kind of feel early 20s but but I realize as I start to go to little parties with my daughter and all these other parents they just think it's unusual going to a 21st but it seems normal to me but uh, so so I've been doing young adults for quite a while but I feel I do feel that um, I, I'll always still have a, a role and a space in that area because part of my passion and heart is around reaching out and impacting uh, the lives of people around us in our community and uh, schools and universities and wherever we are. And, and so part of today is, and, and I'll just be honest with you actually up front, um, I, I, and it's becoming clearer to me over the last few years, it's become really clear to me. Uh, when I came to faith, uh, I, there was a, a very unique thing that I said to God very early on. And I said, I had such a radical transformation. I, I said to God, I said, God, I will tell people about you for the rest of my life. Uh, and I knew that because, because it was such an amazing experience when I encountered God and my life was changed. I just, all I could think about is I need to tell people about Him. It was just so extraordinary. It was just the most incredible thing. I mean, when you discover something extraordinary and amazing, a natural response to that is I need to tell others about it. And that's the best way I can describe it. That's just how I felt. And, uh, and I said, God, regardless of whether I become a pastor or not, I actually didn't really ever want to be a pastor, but uh, regardless of titles, I just said, said, I said to God, I'll tell people about you uh, for the rest of my life. And I've endeavoured to do that. And and so I knew that that as I began to journey with God, part of my call was that evangelistic call to reach people and to to share with people about just a father that's the most incredible father that anybody could ever encounter in their whole life. Uh, But then over the last few years, I've seen how God's called me uh, more into equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And I hadn't seen that before, but over the last few years, it's becoming clearer and clearer uh, to me. And uh, I think um, I think in years to come, we'll see what unfolds there. And so today is a little bit about that. Today, I'm telling you really up front, today is about... Uh, it's about a surrender to God, denying oneself and saying, God, I'm all in and how He is going to use you in the midst of that attitude and that mindset to impact the lives of those around you. 
Uh, just uh, this past week, actually, on Monday night, uh, some of our young adults, we have some like university ministry uh, area. And so we, uh, uh, we have a couple of buildings in the city and at South Bank that uh, these are like student accommodations for university students. And some of our young ads go in every single Monday night and uh, they just, they just uh, interact. They just build relationships with these students. A lot of these students are international students and we cook up pancakes and we do food for them. We play cards and we hang out and we literally just build relationships. You know, even Billy Graham said himself, who was really quite a, a net fisherman, that's what I call it. You know, God's called us to, to fish for, for people and, and we have a fishing line, but Billy Graham was really casting net from the stage and saw many people come to faith. Uh, but even he said that the most effective form of evangelism is relational evangelism, relational outreach. There's nothing more powerful, just connecting with people, loving on people, serving people. It's so important. And so through this on, uh, on Monday nights, we go and we just serve and, uh, and we just pour out our lives and we build relationships uh, with these young adults. And uh, God, it's amazing how God opens up opportunities to share uh, with these young ads. But, uh, you know, Monday is a day off for me. And so, uh, you know, naturally it's like, oh, well, I wouldn't do anything on Monday, would I? You know, because that's my day, right? Like, like I just can do what I want to do, Right. Uh, but here we've got this ministry in these uh, university colleges uh, or, or live on campus uh, things in the city. And so, uh, you know, it's that tension of, oh, do, do I duck out later on at night? And, and we've got three young kids now. So, yes, we, we go through the bathing and I feed the kids and, and we put them to bed and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, Monday night, that's like my night. And it's that tension of, will, will I give God an hour or two on that night when it's my day off, or will I just do what I want to do and probably just sit in front of the television? Or we might, my wife and I might chat for a little bit, but, you know, what am I going to do in that moment? And, and, and to be totally honest with you, there are times where I just thought, man, it'd be so much easier just to stay at home tonight. Like, it'd be so much easier just to, to, to veg out on the lounge. But I, I, I just feel this, this something in me that, no, I actually, I, need to, I actually need to deny myself sometimes and say, okay, God, I'll give you an hour. Okay, God, I'll give you uh, my Monday night. And so last Monday, I just thought I'd go in. And, and so I went into a, our Student One building and I was uh, really shocked because a lot of our young ads were just playing cards and hanging out and stuff. And I went over to this one table and one of our young ads was just chatting with one of these guys, one of these students there. And as I went over, I noticed he had this massive book open in front of him. And it was actually this massive Bible open in front of him, which was very unusual. And I sit down, I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I sit down and here's this guy, he's from Taiwan and he was just sharing and started talking. I said, oh, mate, I noticed you got this Bible open here. What, what's the guy? And he goes, oh, did you know, I just discovered last week, one of the boys had been connecting with him. He told me that, did you know Jesus actually lived and then he died and rose again? Did you know that? And I said, yeah, well, actually, I, I, I discovered that when I was about 18 and a half. And yeah, I began to journey. And he's like, it's incredible. And did you know as well that this Jesus, he fed 4,000 people? Like, it's extraordinary. And I'm saying, yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, I preach this stuff. But, but yeah, that's amazing. And he was just beginning to share. And he said, this, I, I, he said, I've been devouring this. He had it open uh, to John. And he said, in the last two weeks, I, I, I've just encountered this. I just encountered it. He said, I've never read anything like this before. And he was so hungry, so hungry. 
And he said, but I'm reading through this. And he says, I need someone to explain it to me though. Like this is all new for me. And he's just got it open. He's just devouring the Bible. And so we sit there with him and we begin to talk to him about the things that he's reading through John. And we explain more Bible stories to him. And it was an amazing, it was probably about 45 minutes, but it was amazing time as we shared with this young guy. He was so excited, so hungry. And you know, as I walked away, it reminded me actually of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch, he's reading it. And and, and Philip says, do you know what you're reading? He says, how can I? I don't understand this. And it it literally felt like that as I walked away that night. I thought, here's this young guy, he's hungry, but he just doesn't understand it all. He wants to sit with someone and ask them questions. And so it got to about maybe 10.45, whatever. A lot of our our crew sort of were heading off. And as we chatted to this guy, I thought, I could probably head off too. And so I, I just left and I came home and I probably got home about 11. 11 o'clock or something, my wife still hadn't got into bed yet. She said, oh, you're home early. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, I'm home early tonight. But, but I just felt that, wow, I felt that I could go. You know what I mean? Because I went there and, and I spent 45 minutes with this guy. And I thought to myself, that was the most fruitful 45 minutes of my entire week, probably the last month. It was so fruitful. Now, how did that come about though? It came about because there was something in me that said, I'd rather just stay home tonight. There's something in me that just said, you know, it'd be so much easier to just veg out on the lounge here. But actually, I'm convinced that Christ has called us to a higher calling. That Christ says, no, no, no. If you want to experience more of me in your life, if you want to experience the power of me in your life, it is going to take moments where you need to deny yourself, take up your cross and say, okay, I'll actually follow you. I'll actually follow you. It's an amazing thing, isn't it, to open the Bible and to read it, but then actually do it? You know, that's, that's a funny thing, isn't it? Uh, to, to read it and actually do it. You know, so often we read it and we might have really good intentions, but, but there's something so starkly different between just reading something and actually living it out, actually following it. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I'm struggling and I wrestle with this as well because He calls us sometimes to some really tough stuff. But the question for you and the question for me this morning is this, are we willing You know, I've always said this. I've always said the Christian walk can be as exciting and as thrilling as you want it to be. Exciting and thrilling as you want it to be. You know, God wants to use your life. He's got an extraordinary plan for your life. If there's ever been a moment in your life where you've thought, there's got to be something more. There has to be something. Surely it's not just churchianity every week. You know, I just rock up on Sunday. I just do the thing. Don't just do good works for God. That's just works. Don't get to the end of your life and says, and you say, oh, I did this and I went to church and all those things. Yeah, but I never knew you. Like how sad to do good works for Him, but to not actually know Him. So He's calling you into something greater. And He's saying, I want you to follow me. And what that means is to follow means to actually read His Word, to actually hear what He says, listen to what He's saying, and then to walk in a obedience to that. And if you are willing, if you're willing to do that, you'll experience and see extraordinary things take place through your life. Now, here's the thing. You're not the best evangelist and you're not the best outreach person. And you know, there's some other great people that I've experienced in this life. I've seen do extraordinary things and use them powerfully. They're not the greatest evangelist. And Billy Graham wasn't the greatest evangelist. The greatest evangelist is the Holy Spirit. He's the greatest evangelist because He knows where the fruit is. He knows where people are struggling. He knows where, where people are suffering. And He's looking to and fro throughout the earth for those whose hearts are fully, not somewhat, not to a degree, that are fully committed to Him. And He's saying, who's, who's, who's available? Who's in? 
Who's keen? Because I want to use your life. And it doesn't matter on your gifts and your, uh, uh, who you are and you think, oh, but if you knew my past, it doesn't matter. God's amazing like this. He'll just take your life and He'll use you to impact the lives around you. And you'll experience the power of His Holy Spirit in your life, but through your life. But how are you going to be used by God if the Holy Spirit doesn't have your life? You see, God's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He will never force you to do anything you don't want to do. And so God, if you've ever questioned, you know, is God really in? You know, is He, is he interested in my life? Are you serious? He's, he's obsessed with you. He's literally obsessed with you and He loves you and He's got a plan for you, but He will not force it on you. He won't force it on you. He'll say, I'm all in. God's all in. He's all in. He's so madly interested in your life. But the question is, you see, someone came to Billy Graham once and they said, I want more of God. I want more of God. It's the wrong question. The question is, how much does God have of you? That's the question. How surrendered, how yielded are you? How willing are you to deny yourself and let go and say, okay, God, okay, God, you, it, 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 you know, I surrender to you, I yield to you. And so there's a verse where Jesus gathers disciples and some of those that are, are listening, He gathers them together and He brings them in and He says these words in Mark 8.34. Now, I'm telling you now, this isn't easy. And I'm telling you now, this isn't the sexiest message you'll ever hear. It's not the seven habits of highly effective evangelists and the seven habits of how to become super blessed and rich and wealthy in your business or any of this sort of stuff. But, but, but I'm just convinced this is truth. I'm just convinced if you want to experience the fullness of, of life, true life, it's found in Jesus' words. And He says this, He says this in Mark 8, 34, then He called the crowd to Him along with His disciples and He said this, whoever wants to be my disciple must. Actually, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't seen that before. Must. It's not a good idea or thought, or maybe you should consider this. Like, if you want to be my disciple, you must, you must deny themselves. My disciples must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. Why? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. I don't know about you, but how often are we trying to save our lives? You know, we are so madly in love with ourselves. Like we are madly in love with ourselves. Our life is surrounded by us. We very rarely do we want to do anything that we don't want to do. It's just as simple as that. Because why? Because I want to look after me and my life. I am so, even subconsciously, I am so selfish. I just want to do what I want to do most of the time. And Jesus says, you, you want to be my disciple? You want to experience fullness of life? You want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in and through you, uh, in you and through you? Then you must, you must deny yourself. You must get, push away the thoughts. You see, the flesh says, no, your life is all about you. We are discipled 24-7 into this mentality that your life is all about you. Do, do the great holiday. You deserve it. You've got to get the great car. The great... No, there's nothing bad about those things, but we're discipled by billboards and, 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 um, and, and marketing and, and, and TV and all these things. We are discipled into this mindset that your life is all about you. It's not. And the saddest thing is, is that we continue to look after self. We're actually losing our lives. 
I don't know about you, have you ever tried to uh, achieve something or accumulate something and then you get it and you think that wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. And then there's moments where I deny myself and I go and do things for other people and I experience the power of God. I think that was the greatest thing I could have done in that moment. That was so thrilling, so exciting. There is something about actually losing your life and it's it's then that you actually gain it. And so Jesus says to you this morning, He says to me, you've got to deny yourself. You want want to experience life and life to the full. You want to experience the power of me in your life. Then you must deny yourself. Like I said, this isn't easy. It's it's tough. It's hard. You know, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, uh, I, I was I was preparing for a sermon at um, Bridgie there and, and it was a Saturday. I think Raquel had taken the kids out and it was like my prime opportunity, my prime opportunity to uh, work on this sermon and I knew I had to. So it was a Saturday afternoon. I knew I had to, to get some stuff together. And I'm a, I'm a massive procrastinator, right? So I, I, I'm shocking. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Sevens are amazing. Uh, if you're a seven, man, like you're amazing. And it's funny, isn't it? Only sevens would say how amazing they are. But uh, sevens are, they're the enthusiasts, the sevens. And, uh, and, but the only problem is that we're very scattered. Like we're very scattered and we're just kind of all over the shop. And, and, and so, so I can be working on a sermon and all of a sudden I'm like, like getting food from the pantry is far more important all of a sudden than, than working on the sermon. And so, and so I'm trying to work on this sermon and I get up and I think, I know what I'll do. I'll make a cup of tea. You know, how good's a cup of tea? So I go up and I start making this cup of tea. I can still see exactly where I'm standing and I'm dipping the tea bag in the water, just put the hot water in. And I feel this weird prompting in my heart. Uh, it's like God says to me, go and speak to your neighbour. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I had no desire whatsoever to speak to my neighbour. I, I had no desire. I, didn't, I really didn't want to. And I just feel this prompting, go and speak to your neighbour. And then weirdly, even following that, I felt like he said, oh, no, I want you to pray for him. And I want you to pray for the insecurities in his heart. <laughs> right? This is what I, I sense. And I'm thinking, this, this can't be right. No way. This is just me being like, oh, this is a great opportunity to procrastinate from the sermon I'm meant to be writing. It can't be me. But then I thought, you know what? And there was nothing in me. I didn't want to do it. And I thought, anyway, how was this going to come about? Like, literally, how am I going to go and do this? Like, it's just weird. Like, it's literally weird. But then I thought to myself, this has to be of God because I don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Like it has to be because most of the time I feel like the very things that are inconvenient for me are probably of God. He says, yeah, I want you to do it. This is going to take a moment of you denying yourself because I I want you to do this. And I thought, oh God, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But I'm wrestling every day with this tension of, am I going to obey? That's the question. Am I going to obey or not? Because I'm convinced that if we're willing, then we'll see God do amazing things. It's funny. You read throughout history, you read these people that are being used so powerfully by God. And then you hear about their lifestyle and you think, oh, that's amazing. That's extraordinary. Wow. They were used so powerfully by God. But then you hear about the way they lived and you think, oh, stuff that. I don't want to do that. You know, like that's just too full on. But, but this is what God wants for you to deny yourself and say, yeah, follow me, follow me wholeheartedly, not just a little bit. When I call you to do something, would you be willing to do it? And so here I am and I'm wrestling with this and I think, oh God, I don't want to do it. You know, I just don't want to do it. I I literally don't want to do it. But it's a funny thing because there's things that God will call you to and sometimes it seems big and outrageous and crazy. 
And if you just focus on the bigness of it, you say, oh, how is that even going to unfold? Like, how am I going to get to a point where I'm praying for this guy in his house? Like, it just seems too big. But what you need to do is you need to break it down. You just go, okay, I'll take the first step then. I'll just take the first step. And it's a funny thing because when you're willing to take the first step of obedience, the rest will actually flow. It actually becomes a lot easier. I've found that in my own life. And so I'm standing there going, God, I just don't want to do this. I really, I'm just, I don't want to do it. And I think we're in, a, I'm not sure if we were in lockdown at the time or whatever. So it was probably illegal as well. I don't know. Uh, but, um, uh, and so I go, all right, God, if, if, I, if his car's there, because he normally sort of out the front, his car's out the front. If his car's there, I'll go. Like, I'll just, okay, I'll go. So I finished making my cup of tea and I went to the front door. We can see out the, the door there. And I went to the front door and I'm thinking, please, not his car. Like, don't let his car be there. <laughs> As I look out, sure enough, his car's out. I think, oh, no, like, I just don't want to do this. And I just go, all right, Lord, I'll do it. You remember those famous words of Peter when they'd been fishing all night, caught nothing, and Jesus said, throw your nets over the side of the boat? This famous line, I love that line. You know, Peter had every reason to say, this is crazy, this is absolutely ridiculous. But you know what he said? He said, because you said so, I will do it. Because you said so, I will do it. And I think we need to be more people with that mindset. Because you said so, I will do it. A lot of the time it doesn't make sense. It seems ludicrous and crazy. But because he said so, we will do it. We'll deny ourselves and say, okay, I'll follow you to to what you say. If you ask me to do something, I'll follow you. I'll actually do it. I'll deny myself and do it. So I look out the window and I go, all right, God. I still got my tea in my, uh, in my hand and, and, uh, and so I walk out the front door, I close the front door and I just walk over the road, got my cup and tea and everything and I walk over the road and I knock on the door and I think, oh, maybe hopefully he won't pick up, you know, hopefully he won't uh, answer the door or whatever. And uh, I knock on the door and uh, sure enough, open straight away. Like I swear he must have been standing at the door or something <laughs> and he opens it straight away and he goes, oh, mate, how are you going? I think, okay, we're on here. And, uh, and so I said, no, really good. And I didn't go in saying, all right, so anyway, I'm here to pray for you. You know, like it just would have been weird. And so I just said, mate, I just sort of drop over and see how you're going. He said, yeah, sure, come in, come in. And he's, he's got his sons there and they're playing in the lounge room and stuff. And so we just start chatting. But you know, it was a funny thing. Because as we started to chat, I said, you know, how's work going and all this sort of stuff? And he began to share and he goes, you know, I don't know, I'm just struggling a little bit with some stuff. And, and he began to share about almost it sounded like some insecurities in his heart. And I was like, this is crazy. This is really weird. And he began to share a little bit more about some of the stuff that's going on in his heart and some of the insecurities. And I said, mate, and all of a sudden, just step by step, it just unraveled. It just opened up. It just opened up. And I said, mate, this, is, this might sound so weird, but I, I literally felt to just come over here and just, if you don't mind, just to pray for you. I, you know, I, that might sound crazy. He was just like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, maybe mid to late 30s. And, and uh, he's like, yeah, okay, no worries. And so I just, I just said, yeah, look, and I, I just stood there and he was standing there and I just prayed a very simple prayer. But I was reminded of what God, I felt like God had laid on my heart about praying into the insecurities. And so I thought, okay, so I'll pray into that. And so as I prayed for him, I started to pray for some of those things. You know, it's a funny thing because as I started to pray, I start to hear like weeping. Like I, I genuinely had my eyes closed and I was just praying for him, but I started to hear weeping as he was just weeping praying for some of the insecurities in his heart. And I just prayed for him, asked God to bless him and finish praying. And as I finished praying, we just kind of, I just kind of looked up and he was kind of, you know, wiping tears from his, from his cheeks and stuff like that. And I just said, mate, well, you know, anytime you know, we're always here. If you want anything at all, just, just let us know. 
And he said, no, I really appreciate it. We chatted for a little bit more and then I, I just walked back home. Now, that would have been all of maybe about 15 minutes. 15 minutes of what I thought was going to be total inconvenience. You know what I mean? Total inconvenience. And as I walked back over the road, walking back home, again, I thought, God, why did I question you? I'm such an idiot. Like, why did I do that? That was the most fruitful 15 minutes of my entire week. And I could have been robbed of that. Why? Because I just wasn't willing to deny myself. Because I thought, you know, my sermon or my cup of tea or my sitting at home and just doing what I wanted to do was far more important than what you wanted me to do. How sad. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. And yet, yet we do this all the time. And I do this. I do this all the time. I don't, I don't want to deny myself. I want to do what I want to do. But if you want more of God, if you want to experience the power of God, in and through your life, we must learn this principle to deny ourselves and to follow Him. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. Now, this is, this is tough. This is huge. You know, recently I was speaking to a young adult and she said to me, I'm so encouraged. There's just a very small remnant I'm hearing, a remnant of people that are coming out of the woodworks. I've shared this a few times to some of our young adults. I said, there's a remnant of people that are coming out of the woodworks are saying, I'm done with the world and what it has to offer. All I want is God and Him alone. That's all I want. That's all I want. And I'm so encouraged. There's a young adult girl recently came to me and she said, hey, Twig, I just want to let you know you probably won't see me around much on Sunday night services and stuff like that. And she goes, I just wanted to flag with you. I just wanted to let you know. And uh, she's like uh, an absolute weapon, a gun leader and all this sort of stuff. And, and I said, oh, okay, well, you know, why is that? And she said, I just, she said, I've just been in this season in my life where I'm just like, God, I'm all in. Like, I just want to surrender to you. And she said, the other day I was just praying. She said, I was really praying and God started out almost, I felt like he started laying things on my heart, like things that, you know, what would I be willing to give up? Because she, she said, I, I'd just been praying, God, I'd give you everything. <laughs> and, you know, it's a funny thing. We sing songs like this all the time. God, I give you my all. What's that song? Um, you can have it all, Lord. You can have it all. I don't know about you. I find it very difficult to sing that because I know there's so many aspects in my life. He doesn't have it. Like I wrestle with that. I kind of made up my own lyrics. You can nearly have it all, Lord. <laughs> like, because like I, I struggle with that. You can have it all. You can have it all. You can have everything, my, my all. Are you kidding? There's so many things in my life. And God's working in that. He's a, such a gracious, loving Father. He just keeps working and pinpointing areas. And she said, I prayed to him the other day. And she said, I said, you know, I was praying. I said, God, I give you everything. I literally surrender everything. And she said, I felt like he started to ask me questions then. We, and instead of asking questions like, you know, if I said give you my car, would you give it to me? She's like, oh. She goes, God, God, I reckon I would. I'd give you my car. Maybe it's a really crappy old car or something. I don't know. <laughs> but but then, then, he's, um, and then, she's, and then yeah, he started asking her more questions. Well, would you give this? Would you give this to me? Would you give this to me? And then she said, I had this pride in my I didn't realise I was there, but she said, I had this pride in my heart that I loved Bridgie Church. Like, I literally loved it. I loved being on team. I loved being involved. And she said, I didn't realise this, but I, she said, I think it became my identity. And she said, I didn't realise, but as God was laying things on my heart, I felt like he said, well, would you give up your church? And, I mean, I can't say whether this is right or wrong, but, but he was like he said to her, she's just relaying what, you know, relaying what she felt. It was like he said, would you, would you be willing to go to another church then and, and serve somewhere else? Or would you be willing to give that up? And she said, as she sat there, she's thinking, oh, but Lord, that, that's, there's no way you'd ask me to do that. 
And she's dwelt on that a little bit. She realised actually even church had become an idol in her heart, that she'd idolised church. You know, we, have, we can, how sad we can often do that, that even our ministry can become an idol and, and that can become our God. It can become our identity, sadly. And we do stuff for God, but we don't actually know God. How sad. And he said, would you be willing to give up church, your church then, and go to another church? And she wrestled with that. She thought, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And she rested a bit longer and she said, okay, God, I'll do it then. Like, if that's what you call me to do, if that's what you want me to give up, I'll do it. And so she said, I don't know if it's for a long period of time. Maybe God just needs to work in my heart. But she said, I'm just going to be going to like a different church for a little bit. And, and I said, yeah, okay, no worries. Whatever, whatever God's calling you to do, you, you do that. But there's this interesting thing where people are just saying, I'm all in God. Like, I want more of you. I, I just want you. I want you in my life. I don't, I don't want anything else. I, I, I want to deny myself deny myself and experience the power of you in my life. It's a great quote by Jim Elliott. He says this, Jim Elliott was a great missionary and he says this, he says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let's say that again. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose relates so perfectly to this passage. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So the question for you this morning is this, is there anything in your life you haven't truly surrendered? You know, is there stuff, if God came to you, I'm not saying he's saying this to you, but if he said, would you give me your car? Would you do it? If he said to you today, would you give me your house? Would you give me your house? Would you, would you do it? I mean, honestly, is he Lord of your life or not? Is he Lord of your life? Now, I'm not, don't go and do anything drastic this afternoon. Like, like I'm not saying, oh, unless he tells you to, you do it. You do it. But, but, but I'm just saying, we talk about, oh, he's Lord of our lives. But it's one thing to say, God, I give you everything. And then when he asks us to do maybe something small, we go, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, like is he truly Lord of my life? Is he truly Lord of your life? Because this is what he wants for you. And the sad thing is we think, no, I don't want to give that up because then we feel like we're going to miss out. And he's saying, are you kidding? I'm the creator of the universe. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Like I own it all anyway. Do you think you actually own your car, your house, your finances? Do you actually think you own those things? It's mine. It's mine. And so it's like you think you're giving something up. You're not. It's mine anyway. I'm just wondering where your heart is. I'm just wondering where your heart is. Would you be willing to deny yourself and follow me? And if you do... You'll experience the power of me. You'll, you'll go, I'll do things through your life you never thought imaginable. I mean, you could imagine some wild things in your life, some extraordinary things that God could use. He can do that. It's, it's easy. It's like making a cup of coffee for him. Like it's, it's a piece of cake. He can do that. The question is, does he have your heart? Does he have your heart? Because that's what he wants. That's what he desires more than anything else. Questioning so many stories here, I'm questioning which one to use, but maybe I'll just share this with you. Again, a little while ago, I don't know if I've shared this here before, so it's a, I was just reminded of it the other day. Uh, but um, a little while ago, um, some friends of, of um, mine, we, we went out to Churchill Shopping Centre, I think we grabbed some dinner and saw a movie or something like that. And, and, uh, and we were, it's sort of a bit later at night and we were walking back, just myself and a mate of mine, we were walking back to the car where the car was parked. 
As we were walking back to the car, we just noticed there was a girl and a guy there that were kind of sitting near the car, sort of in the car park area, sort of in the gutter part there, just sitting there. And they'd been down at Gil Hoolies, there's Gil Hoolies down there, and I think they were both pretty blind drunk. And, and so uh, we sort of walk over to the car and we're just thinking, oh, let's just go home, you know, it was a bit later at night. But we sort of start to, in a way, maybe initially accidentally engage in conversation with this guy and this girl. And, and they were there and they were pretty drunk. As we chatted with them, uh, they went in a great way. And the girl kept saying, oh, I'm trying to just order, uh, organise a taxi or an Uber or whatever to get my, my friend home. And we're like, oh, okay. And we chatted a bit more. And then she's like, I've got to go, you know, I've got to go. And, and, and so she ended up leaving and we chatted with him a bit more. And eventually, like, we were just keen to go as well, you know, like, let's just get home, go to bed or whatever. Uh, but then there was something in me that thought, oh, we could probably take this guy home. And we said, listen, where, you know, where do you live? And he goes, oh, actually not too far. And I thought, oh, it, it's inconvenient, right? You know, it's not the, it's, you know. But I said, look, we can probably drop you home if you want. And, and you know, and I'm thinking, he's probably going to jump in my ute and spew up all over the seats and everything. But he was pretty, he was pretty drunk and... And we said, look, it's fine. Look, jump in, the, jump in the back and we'll take you home. And so he jumps in and said, look, can you guide us? And, you know, even that was sceptical because he was so drunk. And he's like, oh, I think you go up this road here. And so we're trying to take him home. But in the midst of it, it was quite amazing because all of a sudden we, we got into a conversation about life and faith. And, and then I began to share with him about how we go to church and all this sort of stuff. It was really amazing. Now, eventually we got to his house. And so we pull up out the front. I hope it was his house. And uh, we pull up... Uh, <laughs> We pull up out the front and, and we just sat in the car and because we were in this conversation about spiritual things, we just kept chatting to him for a little bit and he was kind of seemed really uh, in, a little bit intrigued and stuff like that. And uh, I, I couldn't, I, I don't remember it, um, but, but apparently I'd, I'd grabbed my Bible and uh, we chatted to him about some spiritual things. And, oh, that's right. And then I said to him, I said, hey, this might be weird, but could we pray for you? And so, um, and so we had an opportunity to pray for him. And then I grabbed my Bible and it was... You know, at the time I thought, oh, it was very sentimental to me, actually, my Bible, because my mate, my mate who was influential in me coming to faith, he gave me this leather-bound Bible. And it was very sentimental to me and I'd written in it and all this sort of stuff, but I had no other Bible in the car and I just thought, you know what? So I gave him my Bible and I wrote something in the front. I couldn't remember, but I wrote something in it. And I think I left my number. That's right, I left my number if you've got any questions or whatever. And I just gave him my Bible and I gave that away. I thought, oh, it wasn't ideal, but anyway. And, uh, and uh, it was just this sentimental Bible. I gave him the Bible and then, he, and then he said, all right, I better go in. And he got out of the car. My mate and I were sitting in the car and we just watched him like stumbling all over the place, like walking out the path of his house. And he gets to the front door and we thought, we better just wait to make sure he actually gets in. And he's like grabbing his keys, trying to find the right key, and he's standing at the door looking like, yeah, like even though he can't find the right key. And, and, uh, and so eventually he opens the door and just like falls inside. And um, no, I'm sure he got inside okay. But, but we, my mate and I, we drove away and remember thinking, there's no way like he's going to remember a single thing that we just talked about with church and all this sort of, like, this, you know, this sort of stuff and praying for him. There's no way he's going to remember that tomorrow. And so, uh, and so we just drove up and we actually laughed about it. Like, how funny is that? He's not going to remember a single thing. But anyway, and we, uh, we kind of drove off. Now, about eight or nine years, that was years ago. That was literally like 10 years ago, 10 years ago. And then literally just late last year or something like that, I, it was, I can still remember, I get this text message in the morning and it's from a random number, like totally random number. I'm not sure if I told you this before. But it was a totally random number. And I'm like, oh, what's this? It's a text message. I open it up. I want to read you this text message, right? It says this. It says, hello, David. 
Do you guys remember when you gave me a Bible? This is the exact text message. Text message. I'm just reading it to you. Do you guys remember when you gave me a Bible and a football when I asked you guys for a ride back home from a club at Chermside because I was too drunk? I still have your writing on my page of my Bible that you guys blessed me with all those years ago. Ronald is my real name, but Ronnie is what everyone calls me. I wanted to send you a picture of what one of you have written on a page for my life and it has inspired me so much that I cannot begin to explain. I've been a sinner for a very, 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 and I can't say how many times I will write very sinner, but I will say that you were there just for me on that very night. And he goes on to say this, I have given my life to Jesus, my Lord and my Saviour. He says, I admit my life is not perfect and nor very far uh, from what I want it to be, but it's life. I took a picture of the page in my Bible, which one of you guys wrote for me, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 19. He says, it's been almost eight or nine years. You guys, from what I can try to remember, attended Bridgman Baptist Church or something like that. I still have your Bible and it's the most precious thing to me that I will ever have. It is a gift from you, from God. I can't even believe that this is the number on my Bible that I have cherished for so long and will always be by my side even after so many years. I just want to say that if it was not for you guys, oh my gosh, I lost it. Hang on. If it was not for you guys, I would probably not be alive today. I will try and send you a picture of what you have written for me in my Bible, which I will never, ever let go of. God bless you and your friend. Unbelievable, unbelievable. It is an amazing story. But you know what? If that night I thought to myself, this is too inconvenient. Like, what? I'm not going to take this guy home. Like, why? How many times in our life have we said that? We thought, I, I don't want to give up my night. You know, my Monday night. I don't want to give that up. The stuff that, I, you know, I just, want to, I just want to do what I want to do. Like, like if I hadn't have done that that night, and it probably wasn't even that big a deal, I wouldn't be sharing this story with you. But here's a life that's been changed and transformed. And I'm not saying it's just because of that night. It, you know, it's a, it's a journey. But man, what a thrill. What an exciting thing for me to read a story like that and say, wow, God, even if it was a small way, you use me in this guy's life. And what a celebration that all of heaven just celebrating and being able to celebrate with all of heaven and change lives. You know, just last week, I had two guys, in the last three weeks, I had one guy come up to me, said, did you do schoolies, Three Red Frogs in 2018? And I said, yeah, I did. 2008, did you come to Circle on Cav? I said, yeah, I did. He said, I met you in 2018 and we connected together then. He said, you know, after that, I connected a little bit more with some red frogs. They followed up with me and I started attending a church. I hadn't been to church or anything like that before in his whole life. He said, I started attending a church and I went to a church service. And he said, on the first night, he said, uh, I, uh, there was a, a gospel call and a, a response. And, and the person said, stand up if you want to receive Christ. And he said, I was sitting there weeping because the whole sermon was for me. And I thought, I can't stand up. This is my first time to church. And he said, there's one more person, one more person that needs to stand. And he just thought, what am I doing? And he just stood up and he said, I don't even know why, but all these people gathered around me and they laid hands on me. And he said, my life has never been the same again. Never been the same again. And, I was, and then again, just last week, I was speaking at a youth and young adults uh, leaders gathering thing, uh, talking about uh, you know, speaking into schools and stuff like that. And again, a, another guy came up to me and said, did you do uh, Noosa Schoolies 2019? I said, I did. 
He goes, you came and spoke to me in my room. Again, I had no idea on these stories. He said, you came and chatted with me. He says, since then, I've, I've surrendered my life to Christ. I started attending church. And the reason he was there was because he's now a key leader serving at uh, UQ University, reaching out to uni students. He said, my life has been transformed. Now, on both those occasions, I didn't do that much. But you know what I could have done? The week of schoolies, I mean, we got three kids, you know, married and three kids. I could have just stayed home. But, but, but this is my 12th year of schoolies. Why? Because... These souls, these people are far too important. I cannot do nothing. I cannot do nothing. I must do something. So the question for you and for me is this, are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to deny yourself and say, God, I'm all in. I wanna see you use my life. What are you willing to give up for him so that you might be able to share extraordinary stories of the way that God has used your life as well. Father, we thank You for Your Word. It's so powerful. So powerful, great God, because it impacts and challenges us. And Your Word says that it's like a double-edged sword. And thank You, Lord, just for the way You've spoken to us this morning. I acknowledge, God, this isn't easy. It's tough. It's hard to deny ourselves because there's something in, in all of us that says, I just want to live how I want to live. I just want to do what I want to do. But you are calling me and maybe for, well, for all of us to a higher calling to say, hey, surrender, to let go, to yield to you, to deny ourselves and to follow you wholeheartedly. It's the narrow path. It's the narrow gate. It's not easy. But great God, you have so much in store for these people. You got so much more. There's maybe some here, actually, even as I was sitting in the car park earlier, there may even just be one person here today that's in their heart recently they've said, there's gotta be something more than this. Maybe they've been journeying with you and they're just in their heart. There's some sort of discontent that's there. There's a discontent in, in, in their heart that says, no, there's gotta be something more. It's even maybe brought you to tears at some point. And, and there's something in you that says, there's gotta be more, there's gotta be more. Well, God wants you to know this morning, there is more. There is more. And He wants to show you and reveal that to you and bring it to your life. The question is, does He have your heart? Maybe in this moment, you don't even know why, but you just feel like this message is for you. I wanna pray for you. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond actually. While you're sitting there, it's not about others or those around you, but while you're sitting there, I'm not saying that you know this response is yeah, it's, 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 it, there's something totally significant about this response, but there, there is power in it. And so for, for whatever reason, you just felt like God's spoken to you this morning. You wanna surrender afresh to Him. Say, yes, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. Just in an attitude of prayer as we are now, I want you to just put your hands out with your palms facing up as an attitude of surrender. Say, God, I'm all in. And in this moment, just in the stillness, I'm actually gonna give you an opportunity to pray to Him. I don't know what it is in your heart and in your life you haven't surrendered. You know what it is. There's even been moments as I was speaking this morning that you go like, yeah, I know it's that area. I know it's that area. I need to let go of it. I need to let go of it. God wants your heart and He wants every aspect of your life. So just in this stillness, in your head and in your heart, I want you to just pray to Him and say, God, I surrender this. Maybe you can picture the cross, laying it at the foot of the cross, saying, God, I give this over to you. Do that now in your head and in your heart. I'm going to pray for you. Father God, you hear those prayers and what a powerful moment, powerful moment as we surrender to you, great God.
thank you that's for speaking to us. And we just humble ourselves before you saying, God, we want this. We, we wanna know you more. We wanna experience the power of you in and through our lives. Help us, Lord. Forgive us for the times. Forgive us for the times we haven't got this right, but help us, Lord, to walk in obedience and to deny ourselves for your kingdom purposes and for the lives around us, great God, we pray. So Lord, we worship you now. We honour you because you're so worthy of all the praise and honour. And uh, we just acknowledge that we love you so much, great God. In Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.